Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. You're at our Saturday edition, the debate show, where we have our guest host come in, Dr. Paul Semendinger. We're live 8 to 10 a.m., Thursday through Sunday. Uh, we're live on Roku TV, YouTube, and Facebook Live. Uh, should be a great show today. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning, fellas. Listen, uh, before we get to our debate, uh, of course, we know the, the NFL playoffs are coming uh, today, two games. And uh, Jack was bothering me yesterday about my picks, and I still didn't give him, even though he bothered me. So I'm going to give him today. I got Jim Jeff Coates' picks also. And we're going to ask Stock his picks too, Jack. Well, I, I want to get – I know he's he says he doesn't know a lot about football, but when we get him going, he seems to know quite a bit. <laughs> Listen, I'm a, I'm a little nervous about you asking Daka's picks. What happens if he's right and we're wrong? He has different picks. How's that going to make us look? Well, it makes Doc look great, right? So, I mean, maybe people... I have a contract here for the Sunday NFL football show on the Northeast Streaming yeah, Sports same. Network. Doc will be taking my slot, you know? He, he, he might. He might. So, so last last week, I went 5-1. and one. I lost to St. Louis. Uh, the, I call them St. Louis. The Cardinals game. Jack went 5-1. and one. Jack was right with me. Jim Jeffcoat, well, he's a little better at playing football than picking teams. So um, we'll, we'll let him slide. But I'm going to give you my picks and Jim Jeffcoat's picks. Then we'll get Jack's picks, and we'll see what Doc can do. So so today's games, we got uh, the Bengals going to play Tennessee in Tennessee. The Titans are at three-point favorite. I'll give you mine first and Jim's first, Jack. I'm taking Tennessee. With their good running game and, and their defense that's that's out of sight against that young Bengals offense with Joe Burrows and his his weapons. And so is Jim and Tennessee. He's taking Tennessee also. The Green Bay San Francisco game, the line has dropped from six and a half to five and a half uh, as the game gets closer. Uh, I'm gonna take San Francisco with their physical defense and running game over Green Bay. Uh, I'm taking the points. I think they might even win the game, but we'll see about that. But I'm definitely taking the points with San Francisco versus Green Bay, five and a half points. Jim is taking Green Bay. So what are your two picks, Jack? I think Cincinnati, they have the big game players. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow. I know Derek Henry is coming back, the pounding ground thing. You know, Tennessee is going to try to control the game. I like Cincinnati. By 10 points, call it 27 to 17. They'll go into Tennessee and win that. Green Bay and the 49ers. I don't even look for it to be a close game. I think Green Bay is rested. They're peaked. They're ready. The 49ers have been coming off two very emotional tight games, the one with in the playoffs with the Cowboys in the last game of the regular season against the Rams. I think the Packers beat them somewhere in the vicinity of 20 points. Good morning, Carlos. And Jack has been drinking already this morning. Doc, let me give you a little information before you make your picks. Cincinnati I'm trying to persuade you, Doc. Stick to your guns, what you were uh, going to predict. Don't let Max persuade you. Cincinnati's defensive, starting defensive tackle is out. Uh, Tennessee's average running game is 4.5 yards per carry against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's defense has given up over five yards per carry, almost six. So I'm just giving you some facts. So Tennessee with a big running game versus Joe Burrow and his weapons. And then you got, again, San Francisco with a running game and physical team are going against Green Bay and their weapons and uh, Aaron Rodgers. So. All right. So 
my heart wants the Bengals to win. I, I, uh, if in that game, I would definitely root for Joe Burrow. I think we're going to have a question later on. If I'm still here for that one, uh, a couple of different quarterbacks, which of them is going to be the greatest long-term I'm, I'm high on Joe Burrow. I enjoyed watching the game last week and I love that he plays with uh, Jamar chase who was, his, you know, they went to LSU together or whatever. And, and they, uh, I love that they brought that combination together to the NFL. So I think that's cool. I think it's great. And I think it's a great story going forward, but I don't think they can beat Tennessee. I, the team that has to buy, I, I would give them the game. I'm not going to play points and all that. I don't play any of that. I'm not worried about points. I, but I think the score is going to be um, – I'm going to change my little idea here, and I'm going to make it 28-21 Tennessee. Then Green Bay and San Francisco. That game is being played in Green Bay, correct? Right. Yes. This is probably Aaron Rodgers last year. I mean, there was all that controversy over the winter or the summer. We don't know, you know. what Aaron Rodgers is thinking. I mean. Right. But, but there's a possibility. There's a possibility that Aaron Rodgers, this is his last hurrah in Green Bay. And I think Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay want this game. I think they have a great coach. I think, uh, as Jack mentioned, San Francisco had a couple of, uh, you know, big, uh, big games. They barely held on to beat the Cowboys uh, last week. So I'm thinking it's going to be somewhat of a route up there in Green Bay. They're playing where they want to play. They're on Lambeau Field. They're in the cold. 35-17, Green wow. Bay wins. All right. Okay. I need you, Doc, I need you to break a tie <laughs> for us because Mac and Jim Jeff Coat feel one way. Myself and Byron Williams feel another way. You're going to be the tiebreaker, okay? Okay. Deadlock two up. A philosophy, an NFL team, if they have a playoff position locked up and it's the last week of the season – do you rest your players and get ready for the playoff game? If the game means nothing for the standings, or do you do what Mac and Jim Jeffcoat say? You go all out to win the game no matter what. You play your regulars. Byron Williams and myself feel you should rest your regulars for the most part. Maybe just fine-tune them. That's about it. Yeah, this, this, I explain the question right, Mac? Well, almost. I mean, to me, go ahead. You, opinion, you, me and Jim's opinion, which which – you know, whatever, we think that you don't stop the momentum. You don't give the other team – set yourself up to lose. You're like Tampa Bay did last year. You play straight through and you play every game as hard as you can, and that gives you momentum going into the playoffs, where a team with a bye or a team that rests its players can get rusty and may not be ready because of that bye. But, of course, Shaq has a point. You rest your players so they don't get hurt. But they can get hurt in the first play of the next game, too. So, I mean, anything can happen. So, it's two different philosophies. I like going with momentum. You go all out. You keep that momentum going. And you and you, and you you go for the win. Uh, Kansas City had the bye last year. And that's why I, I say that. Giants, same situation. But anyway, but teams have won by, you know, resting their players. I think you rest, you heal, you know, and just uh, you you understand it. What, what do you do if you're the coach? I think that question came up last week with the Buccaneers game, right? The Buccaneers had the game in the bag, and the question came at every play uh, when when the Buccaneers offense got the ball. The question was, is is Brady coming out? Right, right, and he kept well, getting sacked. Game one by then, that's a little different. Uh, well, it's the same idea though. Do, do, the game's in the bag. Uh, it doesn't right. matter at that point. Oh, you, right. you okay. continue to play okay. your player um, and your stars. And I have to be honest, I was surprised every time uh, 
Brady came out, I would have rested him at that point. Right. You know, you look at you look at baseball teams who do this down the stretch once they have the pennant wrapped up and then they set up their pitching rotation and they don't uh, use their starting pitcher maybe more than five innings. They just use it as a little tune up. Uh, so I think that's what I would do. I wouldn't I wouldn't not play my regulars. I think I'd start them and then I would I would slowly take them out of the game because the thing th- there's the idea that we are going to play our hardest in a meaningless game. If somebody gets hurt. And then you blow your playoff chances. Well, it wasn't worth playing your hardest in a game that didn't mean anything. I, I would save my guys the, the play or the uh, that's where that's where it's all about. It's all about getting in the playoffs and winning, and that's where the money is. So I also yes. think it's mentally draining when you every week you're trying to win a game all out. You, you can't maintain it week after week. You kind of have burnout after a while. Sometimes you have to take a step back. Some games are more important than others, in other words. And and I also think it's nice for the – I'll tell you what. My my youngest son and my oldest son, actually, were on state championship soccer teams uh, for New Jersey. And, and it was a phenomenal experience, high school soccer. Mm-hmm. And neither one of them started. They, they weren't starting players, but they were uh, important parts of the team, and they were yeah. made to feel part of the team. But they – like, like my, my son, uh, my oldest son, we were running around the track with his uh, wife one day. And he goes, I'm going to show you where I played on the field. And as we ran by the bench, he goes right there. <laughs> That's where I played. Right. Yeah. But, but the coach um, in the last game of the season in the championship game called out all the seniors to have them on the field when they won it all, even if they weren't the starters, he wanted the seniors that had been with the program the whole nice. time yeah. to be on the field. Nice. And so, so if you do that too, in, in this situation with the NFL or whatever, it's the last game of the season, you have all these guys who've, worked real hard they've played all season and the game's in the bag already and you are gearing up for the playoffs they're probably not going to play much in the playoffs so why not give those guys a chance to be on the field when it all you might need them you might need them in the playoff game yeah so injury and that little bit of playing time that they're going to get in a regular season game you know, it might might help them out, uh, and and I think I think they would appreciate being on the field. They, they, they makes you gain a lot of respect for the coach who thinks not just of the stars, he thinks of the whole team. And hey, come on, guys, you deserve to be out there on the field when this when yeah, the other guys have had their glory. It's your turn. Well, you know, I I think Mac's coaching philosophy, and a lot of coaches agree with Mac on this. They'll just play their guys and not necessarily think about the guys on the bench. They're playing to win. Okay, well, correct me if I'm well, wrong. Well, I, 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 I think I, you get guys well, in. Well, let you... me correct you and, and be quiet for a second. No, that's not true. My my coaching <laughs> philosophy, which you just said, is not true. I played everybody every game. I didn't wait till the game was in the bag or whether they – in fact, I had a lot of my subs in the beginning of the year start. I just knew where to run the ball, and I let them play, and that's how my team got better, especially you're talking youth and pros for, for anyways, apples and oranges that – that really doesn't matter because they're not getting paid to play and they're, they're not getting contracts on whether the team wins or not. So you sports, really, you can't compare it to professional to begin with. I mean, it's, it's, it's great and everything, but as far as I go as coaching, no, Jack, I never did that. I played everybody and we still won because I did it on offense and I knew where the play was going. So I put my subs in on the other side. And by the end of the year, they were as good as the, the starters. And I even started uh, my running backs from the, what you call backup running backs in the playoffs and in the championship. And they all did really well. And we won. So that it's just two different things. The philosophy that you're talking about, Jack, relax for a second. The philosophy you're talking about here 
is do you want the team to have momentum going in, going all out in professional sports now? Do you want them doing that? Or do you want to give everybody a week off, get that by? Both work. Both have worked in the past. Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl last year because they had to play every game to win. And that was and and that's they went to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl. Kansas City uh went to the Super Bowl and lost by doing the bye. But the year before, Kansas City won by having the bye. So either one works. I think you got to know your team. I think you got to know uh, uh, whether your team has the momentum or not. And if you if you if you get a buy and say you lost the game before that buy, hmm, you know, and then you give them a buy, you don't want that taste in your mouth. To me, that's all. To me, I think you should look out for players. I'm, I know I'm going a little slightly off topic, but I want to make it a point. Take, we're going to talk about the Winter Olympics later. Take one of the legendary coaches, Herb Brooks, the 1980 United States Olympic hockey team coach. The backup goalie was Stan Janikowski. He never got in a game. You mean to tell me they couldn't have put him in with three minutes to go with a five-goal lead just so he could have experienced playing in the Olympics, not just being a part of the team? He never got in a game, and that's a case of a coach not looking out, you know, to get guys a certain honor. Like you mentioned with the soccer team with your son, that's a beautiful thing. He got the guys on at the end of the game. That means a great deal, you know, to them to be there at the end in any playing time they value. Uh, you know, I know the feeling when I was a kid, you know, my last year playing baseball, it was we would we play by the parade grounds in Brooklyn where there'd be a lot of big league scouts. Obviously, I couldn't cut it. I was at the end of the line, but we won a game 19 to 5, and I'd been on the bench a few games, and I was on the bench for that game. I let the manager know what I thought at the end of the game. 19 to 5, I can't get in this game. When am I going to get in? Should I quit? He, he talked me into staying on the team. He said he's going to work it out. But I remember you win by 14 runs and you can't throw a play in an inning or one in that bat. But that's how, but, but on the higher level, the big league level, the NFL level, you want to get guys in when you can. You know, it's good for the morale of the team. Well, that's your opinion, Jack, and I'll let I'll let the NFL coaches know that so that they can adjust. There's a lot of vacancies, Max, so uh, yes, you're so. only going to let part of the league know that. The way okay, all right. Now. So I got a question before for you guys before we start the debate and go down memory lane here. Um, oh, wait, wait, what about the other two games? The other two games, well, you picked already, right? We're going to do that. Well, we're Sunday. giving our picks tomorrow, but that could give Oh, I won't be today. here. So here you go. We're Just so you know, I'm going to go 4 0 here. And okay. uh, Bucks 24 21. Chiefs 17 14. There you okay. go. So Chiefs and the Bucks, and those are about, about where the spreads are at, too. So there might be pushes. I don't have the point spreads. Yeah, I'm not doing this. I'm just telling you who's winning the well, games. Doc, that's not how we do it, man. That's not how we do it. <laughs> well, you can take away, add or take away the points. I don't care. I'm just telling you who's winning the All games. Right. Okay. All Meanwhile, right. Mac, this is, this is the playoffs, Mac. Who cares about points with People the playoffs? People betting, Jack. It's betting is the a multi-billion dollar business. And if you look up the games, they're going to give you the points. If you look at any sports show, they're going to give you the points. That's the way it is. I, okay. Without putting down betting, I understand betting is a part of society. People like to bet on games. Why can't it just be done odds-wise? 
We do away with points and make a team like a seven to one favorite and you bet that way. Okay. What does it have to be like points? Just straight out winning or losing everyone. And I, I just give long I odds. Just, on the I, again, I think you'd have to contact your local bookie or now you'd have to call uh, the, uh, the betting organizations and find out why they do that. Me, I don't know. And that's just the way it's always been. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you on that, Jack. So anyway. Let me get to let, let me get to the question I wanted to ask you too. You know, sports figures, especially in the past, we looked up to. They were kind of like our heroes, right? I mean, we you looked up to Mickey Mantle, you looked up to you know Johnny Unitas, or even you know even later than that, you know Kobe Bryant and and all the great heroes. They call them heroes of the sport. And I'm questioning whether today. If that's true, and if we should look to up to them as heroes, back when we were growing up in our generations, you didn't have all this press, right? You didn't know their personal business as much as you do now. You didn't know what was going on at a split second. And I think a lot of the stories, especially with the great players, were kind of held back from us. I don't think Mickey Mantle, when he was out there drinking and carrying on, I don't think that was a major story in a newspaper. It was, you know, how he hit and what he hit. And so... Today is a lot different, right? And, and when we kind of try to look up to somebody, we find out a lot of bad information about them, just as much as we do the good. And I was just asking you, do you guys think that there still should be sports heroes? And is it, I already said it's a lot different, but do you think that maybe kids shouldn't be looking up to sports figures as heroes anymore? What do you think, Jack? Yeah. The kids are going to continue to do it no matter what, and you can only hope their heroes conduct themselves in a really good, good manner. I mean, uh, LeBron James and Michael Jordan, they can walk into a schoolyard where kids, you know, play basketball, and they can talk about life in general, and the kids are going to listen to them more because they're great basketball players, okay, great athletes, as opposed to the average person coming in, giving them a motivational speech, they're not going to listen to as much. And listen, we have to understand that the athletes, you know, the so-called heroes are human. They have their flaws. And uh, I think if a kid is well-balanced, they understand. I mean, listen, my idol, I think we've all had idols. My idol when I was a kid was Mickey Mantle. Okay. Everyone loved Mickey Mantle, but you know, when I grew up, I saw Mickey Mantle had some real issues. He certainly wouldn't have been my idol had I had an adult mindset when I was a kid. Okay. It's just, you know, really the way it goes. And, uh, it, that's not going to escape. It's the athletes are going to continue to be heroes because kids are going to watch them. So when you watch an athlete, you see him play a lot. They become a part of your life. I mean, you feel you know them. They don't know you, but you feel like you know them. You hear them interviewed. You just hope they fulfill, you know, being a role model. They might not want to be a role model. Remember Charles Barkley said, I'm no role model, but you are a role model. Whether you like it or not, kids are going to look up to you. Adults are going to look up to you too. Okay, listen, when they had the riots over... The Rodney King thing in Los Angeles many years ago. Magic Johnson 
you know, an icon with the Lakers, he was helping maintain some peace in the streets. Magic Johnson had that power. If people are fighting and there's a big fight going on, and Magic Johnson, Johnson showed up in L.A. in that time, everyone would stop. That's Magic Johnson, okay? He would have a very positive influence, which he tried to have at that time to stop violence from occurring. So, uh, listen, it's not going to change. Athletes are always going to be role models, whether it's right or wrong. What do you think, Doc? I agree almost entirely uh, with what Jack is saying. Um, you know, we like to say that these athletes are role models to kids, and we like to take ourselves out of that. But if you look at the sports industry and the talk radio industry and blogs and podcasts and all that, what are we all talking about? We're talking about, at least in our in our, in our our genre here, we're all talking about sports and, and players and things like that. And while we understand as adults that they have clay feet and they're not perfect human beings or anything like that, in a certain regard, we're still talking about players that we look up to and that we admire and, and, and in some senses are heroes. And when they do great things, we say, how heroic was that? So I, I think it's just natural that kids are going to look up to the players that they're watching on TV or in person. And just like they look up to the actors in the movies and on TV and, and the music artists, they look up to people who are in the, in the limelight and they'll always do that. Should they? I mean, I think it's natural that they will, and I, I don't have a problem that they do. And I think, as Jack said, you hope that the athletes rise up and do the right thing and, and conduct themselves in a, in a good manner. And if they don't, I believe it's up to the parents then to uh, set the right boundaries. And, and I think Jack made a good point with the riots. I, I believe it was in 1968, Willie Horton of the, of the Tigers helped uh, settle um, and, and bring some peace to Detroit. And if you just even go back to, to 9-11, um, they say one of the things that really helped the grown-ups, the, the people who were suffering, was when the baseball players showed up at various locations. And they didn't even, the players themselves said, we didn't even know what to do. But people who were there said just the fact that they showed up. Now, again, these are grown-ups. Um, just the fact that they showed up helped make a difference. And so so these guys are heroes. And and. One of the things you have to embrace when you are a uh, professional athlete is that people are going to hold you up as, as a role model. And again, if, if they don't do the right thing, then it's up to the parents or the important adults in their lives to say, yes, they're athletes. That doesn't make them better people. And there are other heroes that you can look to, religious figures or teachers or um, famous scientists or uh, political leaders or whomever. And Or, most importantly, the people in your family. And this is why we love grandpa and this is why mommy is such a good person and things like that but role models are normally to kids star players of so you're, course. Not gonna, you're not going to have let's say the yankees you're not going to have like a middle relief pitcher being usually the role model okay you're going to have like an Aaron judge you know of course role it, model, there, there, there haven't been any kids in my school walking around in a lucas lutke uh, <laughs> uh or jonathan loisig really? a t-shirt really that's just <laughs> That's surprising. Yeah, I mean, Carlos has been here from the beginning giving his comments. And, and you know, um, he's right that uh, they should, the, the parents should kind of, you know, kind of check them and guide them and stuff like that. See, it's just, what I, what's interesting to me is that 
you know, we didn't hear how bad a guy Ted Williams was really. I mean, he was a great hitter and we didn't, you know, we didn't hear about, uh, you know, like I said, Mickey Mantle or Billy Martin out there fighting and carrying on. We really didn't hear about that. And today it seems, in fact, the athletes, they even, uh, they even get into the conversations on Twitter and, and then we get mad because they say something on Twitter. It's a totally different generation. And you, you get to see them besides on the field and what they say at press conferences or what you used to read in the paper, you know, which is biased too. We got to admit that some, you know, a lot of reporters will report good or bad depending on the relationship they have with the team or the athlete. So, I mean, you know, it's just, to me, it's changed a lot. And, you know, I, I think kids even have new heroes today, whether it's more into uh, videos and, and YouTube and stuff like that. Um, you know, that's, that, that's changed a little bit. But I, I, overall, I agree with both of you. I think it's if the, if the players know what's going on and, and you're always going to be that last shot in basketball, you're going to think to yourself, it's Kobe Bryant or hitting that ball. You're, you know, you're, you're Barry Bonds or Aaron Judge or whoever you're, you're, you look up to. And, and, and same thing with football. I used to think I was Phil Simms or Fran Tarkenton when I was throwing the ball when I was a kid. So, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just something, uh, something that I guess, uh, we all kind of live in that world. So, Even yes. when you're old, I mean, when Doc pitches, uh, it might cross your mind once in a while. That's it like you're Garrett Cole for one pitch. I still think I'm Ron Guidry. Ron Guidry, there you go. I mean, it's... Yes, Carlos, I will send you a shirt saying you're a white. Or you're sending me one. I don't know. Oh, you're sending me one. That's very good. And I will wear it proudly too, Carlos, I promise you. So... Let's get to what we're here for, folks. You join us every week to see me, Jack, and Doc to a point. I even got him a little aggravated last week, which I loved. It was great. Did you? Yes, I did. Yeah, I got you outspoken and aggressive for a change instead of sitting <laughs> back a little bit, which is... <laughs> I don't remember the topic. Thing. It was the end <laughs> of the show. So, folks. Anything you can do, I can do better. Than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Sooner or later, I'm Yes, sir, folks. It's the Mac and Jack. And we'll put Doc in here. Debate show here every Saturday at 8 to 10 a.m. And this is where we kind of express our opinions. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we disagree. And sometimes we even support an opinion we don't agree with just to be just to be that way. So the first topic today is, let's see, John Madden. Interesting. John Madden was, of course, in the news because he passed away. Uh, known for Madden uh, as Madden video games. I mean, if you got the cover of Madden video, supposedly there was a curse on it. Great broadcaster and a great coach that a lot of people, you know, as you as you go through the generations, they don't realize it. And the, the the first question is, should John Madden have been put in the Hall of Fame as a participant or non-participant? Participant, meaning that as a coach or not as a coach for the work he did outside coaching. And Jack, you go first. Yeah, uh, someone told me the other day the wording should be changed like to participant you know, player and participant, maybe it shouldn't be called non-participant because you don't have to play the game to be a participant in the game. Mm -hmm. But I think people know what we mean by non-participant, meaning non-player. John Madden, 
you know, he was a better coach statistically than I realized for all the coaches in history who coached double digit years. And he barely coached double digit years, 10 years. He had the greatest winning percentage of all time. Now he had great rated teams, tremendous talent. They won one Super Bowl. They had the misfortune of going up against other great teams like the Steel Curtain, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they would have won more had they not gone up against other great teams. But I'm going to make it very simple, guys, as simple as can be. And this is coming from someone who believes in body of work. You, you should get into the Hall of Fame combining your body of work as a player and non-player. That's why I thought, always felt Joe Torre should have gotten in when you come. And he did get in. Because when you combine what he did as a player and as a manager with the Yankees, he certainly was a Hall of Famer and he got in. But if I, if you had a choice one or the other, if John Madden, when he retired from coaching, wasn't in the game anymore, became a salesman or whatever, would he be in the Hall of Fame today? I don't think so. But if John Madden never coached, and accomplished all he did with the Madden game as a broadcaster, would he be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. That's my argument right there. His impact was greater as a non-coach than it was as a coach. You even, Mac, we're talking about the Madden games, the Maddenist Madden. Now, we don't talk about John Madden as being one of the great coaches of all time, but we talk about him as being one of the great broadcasters, one of the great Forces off the field, you know, who helped the NFL. What do you think? Oh, look at this. Thank you, Carlos. Madden won 16 Emmys as a broadcaster. He was the man on the field and off the field. Agreed. But 16 Emmys, I mean, that stat in itself is wow. What do you think, Doc? All right, I'm looking up to see if there are any broadcasters in the American Football Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame broadcasters. No, that's, I, I, I can't get it. I, I don't know if they have a broadcaster wing. So I was just going to go based upon the fact that John Madden was a great coach. He'd absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. He's the highest winning percentage of any coach who is uh, who has won at least 100 games. He did coach for 10 years. And who's the greatest coach of all time? Vince Lombardi, everybody says, right? If you, if you don't want to say Bill Belichick. So Vince Lombardi coached 136 games. John Madden coached 142. That's basically a wash. Lombardi went 96 and 34. Madden went 103 and 32. Um, Lombardi uh, had six ties. Madden had seven ties. I mean, it's almost statistically the same, but you want to say, well, he's no Vince Lombardi. He wasn't, he wasn't Vince Lombardi. He won all those championships. championships all right. So Tom Flores is in the football hall of fame. Tom Flores won 97 games and lost 87. Uh, John Madden's obviously a much better coach than Tom Flores. Oh, you want to say it? Here's another one. Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh won 92 games and lost 59. Granted, he won a couple of more Super Bowls than John Madden, but John Madden's body of work, 103 wins, only 32 losses. He did have nine playoff wins, and he did win a Super Bowl. Um, so absolutely, I think it diminishes John Madden's coaching to say he should go in the Hall of Fame as a, as a broadcaster or as a game inventor. 
I, I don't know that they have game inventors and broadcasters in the football hall of fame. I know baseball has a hall of fame wing. I don't know if the football hall of fame does, but no, John Madden deserves to be in the football hall of fame as a great coach. Cause he was a great coach. And, you know, I, I agree with you hundred percent, doc. I mean, we talk about the greatest coaches to ever coach the game. And if you're going to talk about over a hundred games, uh, John Madden is is the best winning percentages Jack said of all time. John Madden, as Jack said, coached during a time when not only the Pittsburgh Steelers were great, so were the Miami Dolphins. And they and, and you're talking the AFC dominated the league then. They won most of the Super Bowls against the NFC. The best teams were in the AFC at that time. But John Madden won over 10 games a, a year there, ended up in the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl. And his team, his team was legendary, not just because he had the best players out there. He had some really, really talented players out there, but he had a lot of ragtag guys too. He's a very colorful team. And they they scared other teams when they played him. Kenny Stabler is no Hall of Fame quarterback, but guess what? He went to the Super Bowl. Marv Hubbard, I mean, he's he was an all pro, not, not a Hall of Famer, but he went to the Super Bowl. I mean, these guys he had at that time were not the greatest of the great. They were had some great, don't get me wrong, they had some Hall of Famers on those teams. But it wasn't like the Steelers who had every player on their team in the Hall of Fame models or Miami. This team was a together team that had a reputation and won a lot of games. So, of course, he should be in as a coach. There's no doubt in my mind he should be in as a coach. If they have another award for being – out of the game and being a broadcaster, he should be in the Hall of Fame as that too. So I think he should be in both if there's such a thing as being a broadcaster, NFL broadcaster, and being in the Hall of Fame. Of course, John Madden was probably the best of all time. So no doubt he should be in as a coach. There's no doubt in my mind and as a broadcaster. Doc, do me a favor. Can you look up Kenny Stable? I'm sure he's, he he's, had the he's in the Hall of Fame. I just checked. Right. Exactly. Mac, you're making it out. Oh, he only had Kenny Stable was outstanding. He's a Hall if, of Famer, Mac. You only look. had a Hall of Fame as his quarterback. If Mac, you don't do anything to try to get your point if across. You to look, to if you people. look. Come on, Mac. If you look at Kenny Stable's stats. He's in the to- Hall of Fame. So is Joe Namath, and so is a couple other quarterbacks. I'm just saying, Jack, this Kenny Stabler is not one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, is he? I'm gonna no, nobody was a great quarterback. Listen, right. let me ask Thank you guys both. Was this. Marv Hubbard? Let me finish. Let me finish. Was Marv Hubbard the best running back of all time, or one of the best running backs of all time? No, of course not. He was a heck of a blocker. I'll, I'll say this also for Madden. You know, Tom Flores won two Super Bowls, but the first one he won, I was just checking this too, was 1980, right? And that 1980 team was basically John Madden. He stopped coaching after 78. So, so you know, there there is the residual that that a lot of that team was was left over from from Madden's legacy. Uh, Flores won the Super Bowl, absolutely, but but the 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 framework and the and the winning attitude that that was originally started with Madden. Can, that was I just a continuation. Doc, I can counter that. I'm sure if you look up the Raiders record when John Madden took over, they had an outstanding program that he took over as well. Is that true? Oh, that could be. Yeah, they I'll went look that to up. Super Bowl, they went to Super Bowl number uh two where they lost to the Packers, but they were 13 and one that season. Yeah, they did they were outstanding. But okay, okay fair enough. Good, 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 good counter argument then. But but let me but let me simplify this to both of you guys. This is my best argument I can make. If it's not good enough, I, I have no more. 
to say Madden's impact was it greater as a coach or as a non-coach? I say what Madden did as a broadcaster, the Madden games, the personality was greater than what he'd accomplished as a coach. I mean, statistically, yeah, you're throwing great numbers at me. Those are, are fantastic numbers. I mean, you know, I can't argue with that. And I'm not saying he wasn't deserving to go in as a coach. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if he had to go in as one or the other, I think it's more his impact was greater as a non-participant than it was as a coach. I don't think That's anybody all. would disagree with that. He was a great broadcaster, and the Madden game is what the greatest selling video game of all time. It's it's huge, and in the last, you know, his name goes down forever with that. So yes, but I, I, as far as the Hall of Fame goes, I, I I think it diminishes his coaching legacy to sort of take him away from the coach and say, well, you're you're in as a participant more than a coach because he was also a great coach. He's one of these guys that was great in a variety of different ways, right? He he, well, he was a great well, coach. He deserves to go in that way. And, and, and me, if there's me, another me, way, he deserves only, to go in that, that way. Doc. Not only that, Doc. I mean, times change, right? All of a sudden, the NFL became, you know, to talk about the 80s and 90s. When John Madden became a broadcaster, the NFL went off the charts. When he first started, the NFL was nowhere close to being broadcast like it is today. Let me sh Let me share something with you. He started as a head coach at 32 years old. Very young, right? In 1967, he led the team to a 12-1-1 record in his first year. As Jack said, they had a good team. But that doesn't mean that they're going to be a good team under him. And that's why I kind of disagree with you with Flores, too, even though Madden left. And it might be some of the players from there. Tom Flores has still got to take that team and, and go. Oh, and I agree. I'm just saying, but, like, his legacy well, I mean, continues. Yeah I, yeah. yeah, I understand. I'm just saying that, you know, the coach still has to do it. There's some coaches that have retired. And that, that even though they got the same team, they don't go to the Super Bowl and win it. So you got to give Flores his credit, but Flores was no John Madden as a coach. I'll agree with that either. So, I mean, just right off the rip at 32 years old, he only has one loss in his first year. This is how good Madden was. And, and to compare him now, Jack, as a coach to what he did in his broadcasting career is unfair because back in 1967, there, there was no NFL today. There was no Monday night football. There was none of this stuff at that time. So, wow. Monday Night Football started, I think, 1970. So right. it was in. Well, yeah. I'm saying it's 67, right? And it, I mean, this is what I'm saying. It didn't get big, Jack. Let's put it that way. What it year did, did he start? What year did he start? What was the map? 67. Yeah. 69. No, 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 it couldn't be 67 because the Raiders, I think. Yeah, 69. Was the head coach. I, I just, I have it right here. Second, you, yeah. you, had said, you had said the other coach, Roush, yeah. was his name? Right. He was yeah, there. He, had, he, had, he, was, he was 13 and 1. You are correct. You are yeah. correct. In and Madden took up. over in, in 69. You're correct. Uh, he was a linebacker's coach in 67. Uh, listen, guys, basically, I'm a big believer, you know, you know, body of work. Okay. Obviously, Madden belonged in. Would he have gotten in as a coach alone? You kind of feel he would have if he didn't have his other career in broadcasting. But take uh, the case, let's say, of David Cohn, for example. David Cohn's not a Hall of Famer, but he just got the gig at ESPN as an analyst. What happens if David Cohn is the Tony Romo of baseball and he's a great analyst the next dozen years? People love him. The ratings go up in part because of David Cohn doing such an unbelievable job. 
to me, that would make him a push him towards the Hall of Fame because it's body of work, what he did as a pitcher and as a broadcaster. If he indeed does as a broadcaster, what I think he might be capable of. In baseball, they have the broadcaster's wing. So if he did a great job as a broadcaster, they could put him there. Um, Phil Rizzuto did a great job as a broadcaster. But, but, to him. What's that? Would that be a little insulting to his pitching career if he got in as a broadcaster? It, it could be. I, I actually think there's going to come a day when people really look very uh, positively at David Cohn's pitching career. He could be a guy who goes in as a broadcaster um, and as a pitcher. You know, who, you know, who's a great broadcaster who just got in as a pitcher is Jim Cott. Phil Rizzuto, similar type of thing. Yeah. He's in as well, a player, the, yeah, right. but, but those are two separate parts of the Hall of Fame. They're two different. It's it's it's. They're both in the Baseball Hall of Fame, but a guy who's should... a broadcaster isn't considered a member of the See, Baseball Hall of Fame. What I what I what I got, guys, here is that Madden was already inducted in the Hall of Fame as on-air talent in 2010. That's what I got here. Just looking at what I got. Yeah, it was inductee in 2010. So. I mean, he's already in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster, according to what I got. No, right. it took him a little too long to get in. Now that you think of it, wow, the, he, no one was more popular than him. They Why do have. They so have a. Long? They have a sports broadcasting Hall of Fame. That's what the Hall of Fame he got inducted into. So whether the NFL has one or not, I don't know. No, he got I, in as a coach with the NFL. Oh, right, but they but the sports broadcasting Hall of Fame he got inducted in this, in two thousand and ten. Uh, same with uh, him and Pat Summerall together got inducted in in 2010. So he is in the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame. So anyway, folks, uh, Dave, take take the uh, take the uh, San Francisco 49ers for your upset for the week. I'm just giving you my opinion. They don't agree with me, but I think so. So, so anyway, folks, you'll be able to go to sleep early with the Niner game. It's the night game uh, uh, tonight. Listen, the 49ers so aren't going to have to be up till the end. The game will the be 40, decided. The 49ers you know, are going to be earlier bad. than normal. The, the 49ers ain't going to beat them that bad, Jack. You got Aaron Rodgers. They Packers always have a chance. <laughs> so, folks, what do we do? No, let's not take a break yet. Let's go on to the second one. Um, so that was the discussion on John Madden. So it looks like he is in the Broadcasting Hall of Fame. And he finally got in as a coach, which was well deserved. Um, there's when teams it's said sometimes, and sometimes it even looks like it when they're having a losing year. Um, they said that they tank. Some teams tank to get higher draft picks. And uh, the question is, should they be fined for if it's found out that they do that? So should some action be taken on them? I mean, to actually lose games on purpose to establish a better pick in the draft or to give you some kind of an advantage to stop playing the game, whether it's done by putting in different players or while players look like they're just giving up on plays or however it looks. If it's found out that they actually do tank to get higher draft picks, should they in some way be punished by that sport, whether NFL or whatever, any sport, we'll, we'll say. Doc, what do you think? No. Okay. I hate tanking, but but the it, uh, I just read a great book. Uh, I think it's called Powerball by Rob Nyer, and he actually has a whole chapter on this. Um, and and I don't have the book in front of me, so I can't do it justice. But basically, the general idea that he proposes in in that chapter is the fact that if you're going to lose uh, ninety games, you don't get any benefit, um, or or if you're going to lose a hundred games, 
or you're going to be a bad team. I, I'm, I'm not saying this well at all. Uh, it doesn't, you know, there's no benefit to losing only 90 games rather than a hundred games. If you're going to lose 90 games, you might as well lose a hundred games. You might as well lose 110 games. You're a bad team. And those extra wins aren't going to count for anything good for you. The only thing that losing does in a system where losing is rewarded by getting high draft picks is you then get the high draft pick. So why lose or why try to win games that are only going to hurt your chance to win going forward? The problem isn't with the team that looks at a situation and says, we're terrible. We're going to, we're not going to go out and win so that we can be better in the future. That's not the problem. The problem is the system that says to the teams, keep losing. So we're going to give you a reward so you can win in the future. That that's, it's not the team's fault. It's the league's fault. Amen to that. I, I, man, I agree with that hundred percent. I don't think there's any reason and I'm up next Jack. So I don't think there's any reason why they should be rewarded. I always thought the, the highest rated loser. How's that? The team that doesn't make the playoffs should get the first round pick. If you want to try to make it even just to make the other teams want to win at the end of the year. So the placement is changed. I've been saying that for years, doc, but there's one thing about drafting um, that doesn't guarantee you're going to be a better team. As you see in most sports, bad teams that get all these draft picks. Most of the time they stay bad. It's the good teams that, that continue to win that don't get the highest draft picks because they have a winning culture and they know how to win. It's a, it, what it boils down to is that a team that's bad tanking to get the first round, to get the first pick or the second pick really doesn't mean nothing. You got to have a winning team. So to me, doc, I think at the end of the year, for instance, the jets, the jets had nothing to win. They could have maybe got the first pick instead of Detroit. They could have tanked. But to me, what they did was correct. They went out, they competed, and they tried to win. You want to get a winning culture going there. You know, there's certain teams. They say there's parity in sports. There really isn't. I mean, we could say one team won the World Series instead of another. Another team won the Super Bowl. Really, the top teams pretty much stay the same under the same coach and same management. The top competitive teams normally are always top and competitive. They'll have an off year now and then. But normally, the top teams are the top teams. They stay competitive because that's what they are. And the team's struggling, like the Mets, like uh, in baseball, like the Mets, or like uh, 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 Kansas City who once in a while jumps up there, but most of the time doesn't, or the Orioles. That's the way the team is run. And by them losing another five games really doesn't mean nothing. It's not going to help them in the future because their, their organization stinks. Teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers, teams like the Baltimore Ravens, teams like um, the uh, New England Patriots, even though they had off here, you see, bounce right back again. And that's not because they got the high draft picks. That's because they got a great system, a great organization. So to me, tanking is ridiculous. People pay good money to see their team, to see their team win. People watch it on TV to see their team win. I don't care what place you're in. And if you do that on purpose, you should definitely be fine. Or death, if it's found out you're doing it on purpose, should definitely be fine, should definitely get in trouble. And and I agree with your philosophy on the draft. I think the draft system is set up so wrong and invites teams to lose. That's ridiculous. And they should change that. I would change that right away if I was a commissioner in any league. You don't, you don't, you don't reward someone for losing all your games. You reward them for trying to win their games. And that's the way the draft should be set up. Agree 100 percent Doc. Well, the NBA kind of sets it up 
because they have a lottery, so they set it up that way so the worst team doesn't necessarily get the top pick because they're aware that players don't tank. Let's make that clear. Players don't tank. The coach could tank by putting in the backup players, putting in certain substitutions that might not be that great. Listen, basketball, for example, a coach could play combinations that aren't that good. There are ways of doing it. And the coach would have to be crazy to tank because if the team is that bad and he's doing it for the highest draft pick, chances are he's not going to reap the benefits. He's not going to be back because the team is so bad, you know, on that. But with that said, listen, it's criminal to tank. When you think of it, you're essentially throwing a game. Pete Rose is banned from baseball for life for betting on his team. And these guys are kind of indirectly betting against their team by setting up scenarios for their team to lose. I mean, it's not ethical, but I'm kind of torn between that. And I don't mean to be a hypocrite on it, but you could accuse me of being one. Let's say hypothetically, Mickey Mantle came back to life. He was 22 years old, a healthy Mickey Mantle. The Yankees are playing a meaningless regular season game, the last game of the year. I want them to lose that game if it meant getting Mickey Mantle in the future or not. I don't want them to win. If the manager went all out to win that game and the Yankees won that game and they lost Mickey Mantle to the Red Sox for good for years, I mean, I hate to say it, I'm going to look for a way to fire that manager when the opportunity arises because that, that would be utterly ridiculous. So, I mean, what you, logic tells you, you know, if there's a franchise player like a quarterback, he's right there to be taken, and an NFL team has a last game of the regular season, you don't want your team to win the game if it means you can get your franchise quarterback for the next 10, 15 years. But with that said, you play the game to win the game there. I mean, you know, but you can hope you don't win the game. The fans don't want their team to win the game in that scenario. But deliberate tanking is a no-no. It absolutely is. If a player deliberately misses a shot, deliberately strikes out, deliberately does this or that, you know, I mean, that's tanking. That's a no-no, and that's borders on a criminal offense to me. Well, you know, the Angels have uh, a guy named Trout, and they sure haven't. 180 World Series, have they, Jack? So, I mean, you could tank for Mickey Mantle or a Trout if you want. Right. That doesn't mean yeah, nothing. That's, that's great. You wouldn't sign him if you were another team if Mike Trout I'm just saying it. I just, uh, what, I'm saying, what I'm saying What I'm saying. is it didn't matter, did it? That's what I'm saying. He can have the greatest years he wants. The, the, they're not going nowhere. So, hey, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but, but certain athletes mean more than to a franchise than winning or losing. They give a franchise an idea. Identity. Yeah. Okay. Think of the angels have an identity because they have Mike Trout. Yes, uh, they have a losing identity, Jack. Yeah, I, you know, you're right. I can't defend the angels. They've been pathetic year yes, after year. Are. Their expectations <laughs> and they do nothing. You got me on that one. I mean, I mean listen, I mean, they I, bring in Joe Madden to manage. He's been a nothing as a manager with them. Yes. Otani, Trout, Madden. They right. signed Anthony Rendon to a crazy free agent deal. What did they give him? Ten years or something? A big, big money, and he's been, yep. you know, not too good. It's a, it's a, it's a franchise that's not run with it. That's all it is, Jack. I mean, Mike Trout should 
and and Otani and all those, they they should be uh, with a good organization. They'd probably be winning World Series. Otani didn't want to sign with the Yankees. The Yankees had their pocketbook, their checkbook open, and everything, and he just didn't want to come here. That's I a name. I'd love to read his mind. Who doesn't want to come to the Yankees? I think the Hideki Matsui thing may have played a role in it because maybe he didn't, you know, thought he didn't want to follow Matsui to the Yankees. He wanted his own identity with the Angels. I mean, that's all I can think of. Quite possible. What do you think, Doc? Yeah, I I don't know why Otani uh, picked the Angels, but that was a pretty much a foregone conclusion. He was going to go to the yeah. Angels. Maybe so. it's closer too, right? Maybe it's closer. Yeah, it to, is. It's to closer Asia, to Japan. Right? Yeah, three thousand so miles closer. Yeah, so maybe that could be too, right? Just traveling along. I didn't realize that. So, but folks, the Yankees were shocked when he didn't wind up coming to New York. As I recall, and the Yankees made a big packet for him, and the teams really they they tried to do all sorts of great things to get him there, but it didn't happen. A lot of people are surprised. The Yankees get surprised when a lot. Some people turn them down anyway. They're the Yankees, right there. So, you know, you're going to do about that. Folks, we're going to take a quick, quick break. We'll be back on the other side. We got some more topics for you that we'll be discussing from this great pair of masters in the in the in the intelligence department of the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Uh, Jack Hirsch and Dr. Paul will be right back after these messages, folks. Come on, come on, you can do it. There you go. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy. Let your aching head and stomach hear this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz, oh, what a relief it is. Those speedy bubbles relieve your upset stomach and headache fast. For acid indigestion alone, Alka-Seltzer gold. Oh, what a relief it is. What a relief. If you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Okay, how about tasting the stew and telling me what you think? Mmm, 
Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. My baloney has a first name. It's O S C A R. My baloney has a second name. It's N A Y E R. Oh, I love to eat it every day. If you ask me why, I'll say, 'Cause Oscar Mayer has a way with B O L O G N A. Oscar Mayer, the first name in Bologna. How's that? If you talk, and they will hear you every single time. Now we're getting killed. Yeah, well, Kyle's not here. How come? Kicked off the team. Didn't Tim tell you? Kyle's mother kids got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Come on, it's the first offense, right? That we know of. But why should that matter? He knew not to drink. I've made it clear to Matt. That's what we expect from him. What have you said to Tim? Um, nothing really. You know, a lot of kids try it at this age, so. Yeah, well, a lot of kids don't try it too. I'm not saying that Matt's gonna be this perfect kid, but if I don't tell him what we expect and why he shouldn't drink, how's he gonna know? You think kids that age really listen? <laughs> they never admit it, Bill. But they hear more than you think. Talk. They hear you. For more information about talking with kids about underage drinking, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live Thursday through Sunday, 8 to 10 a.m. You're listening to our debate show here Saturday, where me, Jack, and our guest host, Dr. Paul Semendinger, debate the topics from the past, today, and maybe even into the future, as you'll see in a minute. Carlos, with his last comment, the Angels are closest to Japan. Learn something new. Uh, I want to ask Doc a question that he probably didn't realize. I'm just curious. In your school, the jerseys that kids wear, which player's jersey is worn the most? I don't know. Have you, have you ever taken note? I'm going to guess. Is it Aaron Judge of all the athletes? That's a great question. You know, it's an elementary school, and so yeah. it's it's a little early before the kids really truly care. Uh, maybe the fourth and fifth graders care the a little parents bit parents don't care, and they put them in jerseys. I'm so... It's- yeah, so, yeah, yeah. we were talking before. You don't see Lucas Lutke and uh, yeah. Clay Holmes and those kind of guys. You see Aaron Judge. You see you see yeah. the big names. Um, you see, like, Jacob deGrom. Hmm. There, there were some Buccaneer jerseys going around the school yesterday. Oh, you nice. saw Tom Brady, things like that. But but by and large, there's it's not a it's not a big thing. And... and a lot of times the jerseys are just, you know, uh, whatever they have. The kids aren't really investing in this is my favorite player and I want this guy's jersey at this point. 
But you think yeah. with Aaron Judge a year away from free agency, if he's kind of has, has transitioned into Jeter's role as far as popularity goes, that has to put a lot of pressure on the Yankees to get it done and re-sign him. Yeah, you would think. Um, it's going to be a great question. You know, we've talked about this a lot. If I'm the Yankees, I do not offer him a 10-year contract. He's he's old. He'll be old. He's going to be 31. Um and I think I give him a very fair contract for five or six years and say, this is the top we're going to go. And if he says, I want more, God bless him. And, and then he goes. Yeah, I, I go seven years, but that's splitting hairs. Uh, Mac, if you don't mind, if I can say something. Uh, one of the great players of those Islander teams in the early 1980s that won four Stanley Cups in the row, Clark Gillies passed away. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. The Islanders had retired his number, you know, and he was an integral part of the team when he played. And then afterwards, the way he would go into the community and mix with the Islander fans. And we talk, the, talk about athletes being role models. Well, Clark Gillies was always a role model, you know, within the hockey community, their big role model, a class act. He passed away. We remember him today. And always. Cool. Very good. Very good, Jack. So our next topic is about a very controversial player, Antonio Brown. And I, I think I got this question right, Jack. Correct me if I don't. Should the NFL allow Antonio Brown to play anymore? Is that the basic of the question? Uh, no, no. Should a team sign him, assuming he is allowed to play? Would you sign him? Any? I mean – if you go off talent for one year, you probably do. If you're if you're close to winning a Super Bowl or a championship or you think you do have a chance, then you probably do like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did, like uh, the Patriots did at one time. I think you would sign somebody like that. Um, is there going to be trouble if he's going to stick around for two years? Yes, there is. So uh, if I was to sign him, it'd be for one year. And, and it, of course, it would have a clause in it if he does anything crazy. Uh, he's not getting paid. So, I mean, I would think another, another team next year or maybe even this year, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, you know, I, are you going to sign before the Super Bowl? No, I don't think so. So I think that's done. But next year, if I have a team and I'm right at the precipice of uh, making the playoffs and making a run, I might sign him for one year uh, if I think my team is that good. But again, that, that comes with a lot of different clauses in it. And, you know, we found out more about Antonio Brown and why he acted the way he did. He wanted his guaranteed money before he played the game. And then when he found out they said no is when he said he couldn't play because of his ankle. So if you wait, you know, you wait a little while because we jump out and we say, well, why did Antonio Brown do this? Maybe he has mental problems, but all this stuff. It came down to money. It came down to he needed another few receptions to get his so much money another touchdown to get so much money, another something else to get so much money. And as I've been listening uh, to the it unfold, it all came down to a pregame meeting he had with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trying to get that guaranteed money before he played the game. I didn't hear this, Mac. When yeah. did you hear this? I heard it on the NFL Insiders program with one of the guys that, that cover Tampa Bay and cover – Antonio Brown. He's one of the insiders there. And what he said was that it was because of the guaranteed money he wanted before he played the game. And can't Tampa Bay refused. He got mad. 
And then he refused to go into the game because he said he had a hurt ankle. I think it was the second half, even though he was all good to go in pregame. So if you think about it, it makes perfect sense to me that now the reason why he was so upset was because they did not say he could have his guaranteed money before he reached these uh, milestones in that year. I think it was $300,000, Jack, a category. So that's what that's what led to all this coming about. Mac, I, I, I'm not sure that's necessarily true. I have no, to I, I am. You heard it from one source. Yeah. And anything could be written and put down. We shouldn't jump. It wasn't written, Jack. Well, I'm going to tell you. Let me I'm tell, tell you why. Right, I'm going to tell yeah. you right now, Jack. I believe this guy. This guy's credible. He's on the NFL network. Okay. He's on. He covers the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, and he knows all about what happened before the game that led up to it. So I believe it's credible. Whether you believe it or not, look it up. I'm just yeah, telling you. Yeah. Mac, Mac, I also like to go on common sense. Antonio Brown had two games left to reach those incentives. And consider what Tom Brady did for Rob Gronkowski. He wouldn't go out of the game until Gronkowski reached his incentives in the I, last game. Jack, not one has to do with the other. I'm telling you what this guy said on national radio. And if he's if this is wrong, he can get sued. I'm telling you, this is what happened, and I believe this. This guy's very credible. He's he's a guy that follows the NFL and follows Tampa Bay, and knows what happened from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, maybe it is act. Maybe it's accurate. I'm just skeptical of that particular story. Okay. Well, uh, but my my thing with. Antonio Brown, Brown, you say you would give him, him an opportunity under certain circumstances, short term. I wouldn't if I were team. Antonio Brown, you know, he has a track record, okay? A track record where there's going to be a blow up for sure. You know, whatever team he goes to, he might be a good citizen short term. And listen, he lasted as long as he did with the Buccaneers the one year or so because of Tom Brady, the leadership he provided. He's not going to go to a team where he's going to have stronger leadership, not only Tom Brady, but the other players than he would with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Listen, it could be he said, she said what happened with Coach Bruce Arians. But when you take your shirt off in front of the stadium, and then you're going in the end zone and you're doing some jumping jacks before you leave. I mean, that's erratic behavior. Okay. What, you know, you hope he gets, you know, help. And some, sometimes it's not mental issues per se. Sometimes it's just lousy behavior. I don't know what the case is with Antonio Brown, but definitely he needs you know, some serious counseling. And Antonio Brown, as time goes by, he reflects, he says, well, maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. But in any event, the issues, you know, the issues with him off the field. And if you have Antonio Brown, it might go okay for a little while, but this isn't like an Odell Beckham Jr. thing. Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't bring off the field baggage, okay? At least none that I know of. And he's basically an I guy. I want the ball. And he starts getting frustrated after a while. 
but at least there's a semblance of control there where I would, you know, get him on my team if I could. But Antonio Brown, you don't know what's going to go down with him if you get him on your team. And it could become very, very ugly and upsetting. You're asking for trouble. And to me, it's just not worth it, you know, at this point. He's, he's you know, he went from the Steelers to New England to the Raiders to Tampa Bay. This is a great, great receiver who should have been basically with one team his whole career. Now he'd be looking for his fifth team. I mean, the red flags all over the place with Antonio Brown. Uh, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't sign him if I were any NFL team. What do you think, Doug? I, I think if he shows up to a camp or he has practices and he shows that he can do the job and there's a team that feels it needs a wide receiver, I think a team will sign him. I think that's just the nature of, of sports. And, you know, there was a time Albert Bell was considered a, 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 a less than reputable character when, when he was playing for the Cleveland Indians. And there was a lot of talk in the late uh, uh, 90s that the Yankees were going to pick up Albert Bell. And there was this whole sense that, well, if you come to the Yankees and you play in uh, Joe Torre's clubhouse, he has a way of taking the guys who are perceived to be the bad guys and turning them around and making them good guys. And they had various examples of guys that had turned around once they came to the Yankees, etc. cetera. Um, the point being that, Teams sometimes over-evaluate their own ability to turn people around. And on the uh, also, teams, if they need a great player, are going to try to get a great player because ultimately it's about winning, and that's what they want to do. And if they feel that Antonio Brown is going to be a guy that can push them over, they're going to sit down with them, and they're going to say, listen, we need you to behave in a certain way. I'm sure the Buccaneers did that. And they're going to hope that he does. Uh, but but is, does this eliminate him from another team taking a shot at him? I, I don't see that at all. I think if a team thinks he can help, they will sign him. I agree. Yeah, but, Doc, we see players upset with coaches. They get a seat on the bench. They argue. We've seen scenarios where their teammates have to try to calm them down. They get mad. Who have you seen take their shirt off in front of a full stadium and just all leave? All right, so you, you guys leave. never – Never, but you guys, you guys know much more about basketball than I do. But Latrell Sprewell, didn't he go and uh, beat people up and have a big giant incident? Well, he had one incident. One. And then didn't he? Then, 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 then he choked. Then, he choked his coach. A terrible. And didn't incident. he then play for the Knicks afterwards? Oh, he was suspended. I think like half the season he lost. And didn't he go play for the Knicks got, afterwards? He eventually went to the Knicks. If it's one big incident where the guy screws up. Listen, I don't want it to necessarily define him. Look, Ray Rice punched his wife. Totally unacceptable. It was caught on YouTube camera. They're still together. He was suspended a while. He could never get back in the league. He's with his wife to this day. He knows, you know, what a horrible thing he did. They're, they're supposedly very close. They had an awful, unacceptable moment. But, you know, I'm not for banning the guy for life. You know, I mean, you, he lost. That's, that's what I'm saying the same thing. He's going to he's going to get another chance. But Ray Rice never got another chance, basically, in the league. He couldn't hook on because the teams are concerned that the groups that would be upset if they signed them. And, you know, it just wasn't worth it to them. But Antonio Brown. That's the difference. I, yeah. That's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about. 
assaulting on on your wife or a woman you're, you're talking about a whole different a whole different basket full of problems as as you said they were worried about people you know coming out and picketing and and and, and protesting and that's a whole different yeah. thing that's taken off his shirt i mean you know he's he's wacky he hurts himself antonio brown hurts himself he can't handle success for some reason or maybe he just likes a limelight. I'm going to tell you something else. I think the NFL loves it. I think the NFL loves what Antonio Brown does. It keeps the attention on the NFL constantly. Anything he does crazy, it comes back to Antonio Brown with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or forming with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think they love it. I don't think they're happy uh, with what he's doing, but I think they love the attention. You know, it's, you get bad. If people don't like you. You still might get ratings because they don't like you. They want to watch you because they don't like you. So Listen. I think the NFL likes yeah. the attention Antonio Brown brings up. I don't I don't think they like that type of attention. Listen, Zach Prescott, who's a very good, good guy by all accounts, a, a wonderful guy. He had a bad moment. The 49ers, I mean, the Co- 49ers beat the Cowboys. He's devastated by the loss. They're complaining about the officials and the controversial call at the end of the game. And he, and he said, oh, when we, he realizes fans were throwing things at the officials, he said something to the effect, oh, then it's okay if it was thrown at the officials and not us. And the league fined him $25,000, considering Zach Prescott's making about $35 million a year. Believe me, he could afford the twenty-five, you know, grand. And he regrets the remark, I'm sure. But the league is very uncomfortable having to deal with things like that. Because what are they supposed to do? You can't suspend the guy again. This isn't baseball. You suspend the guy one at one game out of 162. It's not a big deal, okay? But you suspend them for one NFL game. That that's major, you know, to hold a guy out of an NFL game. I don't think the league likes these problems and having to deal with it and the attention. You say they love it. I, I can't imagine it. I, I, I think they love the attention. They love it. it. Keeps the NFL in the news, even in the offseason. So I mean, I don't think they like his behavior. But they love that he's in the news. I, I, I know, I know people that just, just love being bad, just to get looked at. You know, we like watching the the house burn down, whether more than we like watching the dad and the, and the son throw the baseball in the park. People gather. Well, I will admit this: they don't gather around to watch a uh, father and son throw a baseball. It's just human nature, Jack. I will admit this: Antonio Brown, when he retires. If he has some talent to do this, he's absolutely going to be in the broadcast booth. He'll be on ESPN being a being high profile on one of these shows. If you look at the roster guys who had trouble during their NFL careers who've acted up, you know, Keyshawn Johnson was a nice guy, Michael Irvin, a lot of difficulty, but yet in the booth, a lot of these guys high profile. Randy Moss had issues. And here they are. And I'm not saying they shouldn't get those jobs, but I'm just saying there's a certain appeal, you know, when guys act up a certain way. Don't not appeal about to me, but appeal to the networks. Don't forget about Michael Vick, who actually got arrested. So anyway, um, let's let's push on to the next one. This is like a, a, an opinion thing. So we're going to do this, uh, and then we'll do our break. Doc's got to get up and get out of here, take care of some personal businesses, business after this. So... Uh, we'll get this one in here, and we'll and we'll go with instead of the Olympic thing. Let's go with the the uh, who's going to be better, uh, have a better career, Joe Burrow, or or Herbert from for the uh, San Diego Chargers. Who do you think will have a better career? I think you go first, Jeff. 
Yeah, I mean, it could go either way. I mean, those two are considered the future of the NFL. I'm going to go with Justin Herbert here. Uh, there are less injury concerns. Burrow was hurt in his rookie year. He missed a good part of the year. And when you're injured like that, I don't know whether you fully ever recover. I mean, uh, Doc could tell you maybe as a runner, marathon runner. I have like, I had uh, pulled a hamstring muscle years ago, injured myself. I thought it would be better. It's been lingering on a little bit for years. You know, I go out, I work out, I run. But sometimes in the beginning of the run, I'm stiff. You know, and you kind of wonder, a, a you know, an athlete like that, when you suffer that type of injury, are you a little bit compromised? I saw the last game of the season, Justin Herbert, when the Chargers lost to the Raiders in that great overtime game, they didn't go to the playoffs. Justin Herbert was hitting these fourth down passes with the game on the line, under a lot of pressure. He doesn't quite have the weapons that Burrow has at Cincinnati right now. Not, not quite, okay? And I just think when all said and done, these are two elite guys. They're going to go up the ladder. Maybe not be the next Tom Brady, Peyton Manning combo, but we're going to talk about them as the new wave, okay? They're both outstanding. I By a split decision, I go with Justin Herbert who's going to be the greater of the two, maybe because of just longevity when all is said and done. Sort of like Drew Brees. What do you think, Doc? Yeah, now, again, this is one of the areas where I don't have a whole lot of history and watching these guys over two years and seeing how great they are and each of their strengths. You know, I did watch the game uh, against the Raiders, that game that just kept never ending. Um, and uh, and I, I obviously I watched the Bengals last week. I'm probably going to miss their game today. Uh, but there's just sometimes when you watch a player and this this is just gut reaction because i'm not basing this on on facts or anything there are just some players that look more like they are going to be in control in a situation and they just look more the part if whatever that means it's just like it feels more natural like you know, like this guy really looks like he can do the job and to me when just basing it on a couple of quick games I, I just liked what i saw out of joe burrow more than i saw out of the uh, um herbert so i just it just seems like he has more control over the game. He seemed, of course, his team won. Uh, but if I had to pick, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow. I, I He won a Heisman Trophy. He, I think he's going to continue to grow into the role of the star quarterback, and I think he's going to have a lot of success in the NFL. Yeah, I think both quarterbacks are good, but guess what? Both Next year, both of them will be injured, and their careers will be over. That's how much <laughs> wow. sense. How much sense this, this argument makes to me, right? I mean, how can you measure who's going to be better, who's going to be worse in their first couple of years? Uh, you know, Tom Brady wasn't even supposed to make an NFL team. You know, Drew Brees and Russell Wilson were too short to be good. Terry Bradshaw was too dumb to play quarterback. Fred Tarkenton was a scrambling quarterback. Those quarterbacks would never make it in the NFL. I mean, you can't predict this. You really can't. Justin Herbert is a little different than Burroughs. Burroughs is more of a, uh, as Doc said, he's like in control. He's a pocket quarterback. He doesn't make plays happen. So he's more like a Brady type who sits in the pocket and can tear you apart. Justin Herbert is like a Brett Favre guy, right? He can he can get out of the pocket, throw the ball a million miles downfield, make big plays. I mean, they've both got 
two unique styles. Both have won. Um, there's no way to predict who's going to be better. Like I said, anything could happen in the NFL, and 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 we don't know who's going to be better, even if they last five years. As Burroughs got hurt there first, um, Drew Brees got a shoulder hurt. He wasn't supposed to play again. That's why some teams didn't pick him up. He's become one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So it's very almost impossible to make this compare, even comparison, to see they are both going to be. They're the best in the NFL. We don't know that. You don't know what's going to happen in the NFL. It's a physical game. Like you're, you're pitching on baseball and you get hurt because you pull a muscle, you could get cracked and break your leg. You don't know. So I, they both look good for young quarterbacks. They're both different. I like Burroughs because I said he kind of reminds me of the Brady pocket quarterback, Drew Brees pocket quarterback. I like Herbert. He's kind of a gunslinger. He's got a big arm like, like, a, like a Brett Favre. Or, or even an Aaron Rodgers to a point. They're, they're similar in their styles. I like them both. I think they both do, do very well. You know, you gave baseball as an example, and a great example was early in their careers, to let you know where my head was, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, when they were young players, and they were both projected to be superstars, I would explain very forcefully to people why Bryce Harper was going to turn out to be the great of the two players. I said, Mike Trout's going to be a great player, but Bryce Harper's going to be one of the greatest players of all time. That was my argument. Then as the years went by, Trout was clearly better. And I was left to try to rationalize and Well, I still think Bryce Harper could make it to the Hall of Fame. But even though Mike Trout proved to be a better player, their careers are in over. Bryce Harper was the MVP last year. Mike Trapp was injured. So when all is said and done, maybe Bryce Harper is going to catch him at the wire, maybe turn out to be a greater player. What did you guys think when they were young and how do you think it, their career is going to play out? My prediction might turn out to be right after all, even though I've given up on it after a while. Yeah, That's I thought Bryce point. I thought Bryce Harper was going to be better than Trout, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, just, just looking at him in the game. You just don't know, Jack, right? I mean, you don't know. Who, who thought a, a six-round draft pick who didn't look like an athlete that, that the Patriots oh, Stop that, Mac. I don't want I'm to talk saying. Did you – did you – in his, in his first game – in his first game, Jack, in his first year, did you think he was going to be the greatest quarterback of all time? Honestly. Guys always come up out of nowhere. Guys who aren't drafted once in a while, you have cases like well, that. Well, I'm just saying, did you? Did you think Drew Brees, after getting injured, would have the career he had? I don't think so. You know, the interesting thing with Drew Brees, he was with the San Diego Chargers, and they had drafted Phillip Rivers very high, highly, and Phillip Rivers was on the bench the first year. Uh, and then Drew Brees, and they didn't know what to do. You don't draft a guy that highly not to play him. And Drew Brees injured himself the last game of the season. So that made it easy because he had to have surgery for them to move on from Drew Brees. Then Drew Brees went to the Saints and obviously turned into Hall of Fame. It was a Hall of Fame quarterback. He was excellent with the Chargers as well, Brees. But as it turned out, who was the better NFL quarterback, Drew Brees or Phillip Rivers? I think most people would give a little edge to Drew Brees there. So as it turned out, the Chargers didn't have to use that pick on Phillip Rivers. They had their franchise quarterback. But well, after, I guess they didn't know it. Hurt, after he got hurt, the Miami Dolphins had a chance to get him, and they didn't take him. Yeah, good point. I, mean, yeah, I didn't realize just, that. You just don't know, right? 
So, I mean, to, to argue this, I mean, what they look as Doc said, I agree with Doc. I think Burroughs, if he stays healthy, I mean, that's going to be an unbelievable quarterback. I agree with you, too. I mean, Justin oh, Herbert looks like a playmaker, man. And that's well, – that's go ahead. Injuries, it depends how you get injured. It bothers me. We've mentioned Aaron Judge before when they say, well, he's injury-prone. The Yankees should be hesitant. I went to a game against the Kansas City Royals. He got hit in the hand by a pitch. And he got, was out a while. That's not being injury prone at all. You get hit by a pitch and it breaks a bone. You're not injury prone. Okay. I mean, there's a difference involved. It's the circumstances of the injuries. I guess. I guess. I guess. I don't know. I'm with Doc. I think. I think. Just to be opposite of Jack, I'm with Doc. How's that? Well, so, folks. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, listen. I mean, I. I, I I don't Aaron Judge being injury prone or what? Yes, he is. He is injury prone. I don't care. I, I think you're with Doc not to give him the 10-year contract. I'm with Doc on that as well. I would go up to age 38 if I have to. That's as far as I would go. As far as I yeah, would then go. Yeah, then he, then he gets traded to another team, becomes a DH, and starts hitting 50 bombs a year, and then you're both wrong. How's that? So but but what go. bothers me with any team, when you can sign a guy – for a reasonable contract, they wait, they wait until it gets to the point where they have to give him crazy money. On, otherwise, he's being a free agent. It's it's all about timing and signing guys. Well, Doc, have you ever heard? Have you heard anything that maybe Aaron Judge didn't want to talk to the Yankees till his last year? I I haven't heard that. Me either. So I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe his agent's part of it too, Jack. I don't know. What would you do, Doc, if you were Aaron Judge's agent now? You would one year away from free agency. Can you imagine what he would get offered in the open market? Um, if I were Aaron Judge's agent, I would be concerned. You're right. When he got hit in the hand, that wasn't his fault. But have there been a number of other injuries that are leg injuries and abdominal injuries and things like that that have kept him off the field? Yes. And has he played a full season? Uh, except for last year, all those years from his uh, from his uh, 2017 on through, he missed a lot of games. If I were his agent, I would be calling the Yankees and begging them right now for a long term deal because I think his 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 value couldn't be higher at this exact moment. And I would not want a chance Aaron Judge having another year without injury this coming year, especially with the fact that it looks as though spring training is going to be, if there even is one, if there isn't going to be a season. If spring training, if if they're not going to settle quickly and have a full spring training, whatever spring training there's going to be is going to be truncated because they're going to want to get the games on. So the players aren't going to have as much time in Florida training, which is going to lead to more injury risks. And a guy like Aaron Judge who gets hurt anyway, I, I wouldn't want to risk that. I would say to the Yankees, let's sign them right now. Let's do it. I wouldn't wait. That's a good point. That's a good point. I would let the Yankees come to me because he's one year away from free agency. A team like the Dodgers, who lay out big money, I mean, and the other teams as well. Imagine the Red Sox come with a colossal offer, you know. But, but I mean, nobody will if he gets hurt again. It depends to the extent. If he misses part of the season, it depends. If he has a season he had last year, let's but let's say he stays healthy. That's what the Yankees got to be thinking. He stays healthy. Wow, what what a contract he's going to command. I mean, that I is, mean, that is correct. But let's just let's just hear real quickly. 20, 2017, he played in 155 games. 112 in 2018. 
102 in 2019, only 28 of 60 in 2020. And everybody forgets. Nobody mentions this. They say, well, it was was the COVID year and they didn't play a whole lot of games. Right. But he was hurt into July. If that was a full season, he wouldn't have played in in most of the first half of the year. He probably would have only played in 28 games, Um, maybe given 10 or 15 more. But again, that's way under 155. And then last year, again, he got back to 148. His track record is not a guy who stays on the field. And if I were his agent, I'd try to sign him right now and not take that next year as a chance. I mean, it's it, it's a good point. So, folks, we're going to go ahead and take our last break for the show. We'll let Doc get out of here and attend to his business. Thanks for coming. We'll see in, you Doc. next week Saturday. and Monday night. Yes, and Monday night, folks. Don't forget, uh, start spreading the news at nine. And Jack is behind be, before him with fisted gloves. So Monday night, always a big night on Northeast Streaming Sports YouTube channel. So uh, let's get out of here. We'll let Doc get out of here, and we'll be right back after these messages, folks. Take care. I heard you want to be a Frito Bandido like me. You do? Then you must sing the Bandido song. Let's sing together. You just follow the bouncing Fritos corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. I am the Frito Bandido, I like Fritos corn chips, I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips, I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandido song, and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, munch, munchy, munchy Fritos corn chips. When you hear the word asthma, you probably think of shortness of breath, coughing, or inhalers. Lots of things can trigger asthma, but the fact is that asthma doesn't just attack, it can kill. But with proper medical management, asthma is controllable. If you experience shortness of breath, wheezing, tightness in your chest, or persistent nighttime coughing, you may have asthma. See your doctor and get the facts. You'll breathe easier. For more information, call 211-INFO-LINE. A message from the Connecticut Department of Public Health. Keeping Connecticut healthy. Schaefer, the one beer to have when you're having more than one? One reason is more than one fermentation. Most brewers just ferment their beer once, but Schaefer is fermented twice. Once to make it beer, and twice to make it Schaefer. The one beer with flavor so fine, it keeps shining through, glass after frosty glass. More than one fermentation is one reason, but of course there's more than one reason behind the one beer to have when you're having more than one. We all make choices. When it comes to alcohol, 
kids make choices whether to drink or not. Bye, Dad. Bye-bye. Remember, I'm going to Alex's party tonight and sleeping over. Hey, Ann, have a seat for a second. Remind me about that party again. And adults make choices whether to talk about it. That's true of parents and every other trusted adult in a kid's life. Kids want to know our expectations when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. They want guidance and honest answers to their questions. And it makes a difference when the message is consistent and part of everyday conversations. So talk with your kids and help lead them on a positive path. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, from Brooklyn. Hey, guess it is. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. We're on live 8 to 10 a.m. Thursday through Sunday. You're on today with our sports debate show. I'm your host, Mac, with your co-host, legendary boxing writer himself, Jack Hirsch. And Jack, we said goodbye to the doctor as he had to leave to take care of some personal business. And uh, so we're on back with ourselves, Jack, as we always are in the end. Mac, I was listening to the lead into the show, like other shows, what they have to say, really revealing stuff like Pax is saying, well, you know, with LeBron out, this was in the past, the Lakers would be struggling. Of course they're struggling if LeBron is out. What's he telling us that's so revealing there? And then you have the other guy saying, the people in baseball are trying their hardest to ruin it. I'm sure in the commissioner's office, they're plotting a ways to ruin the game of baseball. Yes, yes. and they're doing a good job. I mean, they're doing a good job right now, Jack. Doing they are, but well, <laughs> they actually are. Actually, it is accurate what both <laughs> what both said actually are accurate. I do got to yes, admit that yes, it is accurate. It's revealing. Uh, yesterday is revealing it's, as it's today. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, yeah. You got me there. I got yeah, it. Yeah, that's correct. It's yeah. Cool. So, folks, a little a little bit of. Uh, uh, self plugs for us of course we're on uh, roku channel as all northeast streaming sports has just gone on there for the past couple of weeks we're getting a lot of downloads on the channel and and of, of northeast streaming sports so if you have a roku tv all you got to do is download the app the channel and you'll have us uh 24 7 our our uh the uh the channel itself is 24 7 we have videos on demand we got great shows more should be coming on soon. So, uh, you know, it's always things happening there. Um, we're also on YouTube. We have our own YouTube channel. If you get there, subscribe there um, and and help us grow there. And, of course, we're on Facebook, as we always have been. Just follow us there. Again, all this does is help us grow. We get you more shows, more information, and more great guests. And we get some of the biggest ones there is here on the Mac and Jack Show, that's for sure. But they have uh, their own unique shows like Jack with Glove Fists. 
on Monday nights at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, where him and Frank Lutierzo uh, talk about boxing. There's no better boxing show on there. I'll tell you from from experience, folks, I love boxing. I follow boxing a lot. And uh, that boxing show is second to none. And then you have Dr. Paul and Dr. Fagan who come on with the uh, Start Spreading the News Yankees show. Not only did they cover all the latest in the Yankees from the minors all the way up to the to the uh, the team itself, they bring you all the news, all the hirings, all the uh, the future prospects, but they also talk about the MLB. So they talk about the Major League Baseball news also. Great show. Uh, check that out. Monday nights are, are outstanding on Northeast Streaming Sports. So check that all out if you would. Um, so, Jack, we get to... Uh, our next topic, and it's about the uh, the Winter Olympics, and if people in the United States even care about the Winter Olympics, and you're up first with that. Uh, no. <clears throat> there was a time when the Olympics was really, really big, and the reason for that is there, there wasn't cable TV around households. True. We were limited in the amount of programming we could see. There was CBS, NBC, you know, Channel 5, uh, ABC, WOR, Channel 9, WPRX, Channel 11, the Educational Channel, Channel 13. There were no such things as YouTube, you know, uh, the Internet and all that. It just isn't so important anymore. The Olympics used to be about entertainment, okay? People like the entertainment aspect. But now there's too, many, too much competition. Listen, people who didn't like skiing would watch skiing, people, you know, in those type of events. Now it's not the same. People have their favorite soap operas that they can readily get. They don't have to wait to see it as it unfolds on the network itself. They can get it on delay tape, on this and that. And it's just not as big... You know, most of the events in the Olympics are strictly a once every four-year event, you know, for the Winter Olympics we're talking about. No one follows, you know, uh, you know, like women's hockey, for example. It's going to be an event that I actually look forward to in the Winter Olympics myself because it's kind of touted. The USA is supposed to have a pretty good, you know, hockey team that's won a gold medal in the past. So that's going to have some interest to me. But I don't I don't watch women's hockey in the interim when it's not being played. In the Olympics, nothing against it. It's great because there's so much other competition out there. And I'm not talking about male sports, even women's sports. You know, you have tennis and you have track and field, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not the same in households as it was before. It used to be a big thing on households because you didn't have much competition what to watch and now you do so no the answer is an em empathetic no it's not nearly as relevant as it once was not even close no, i agree with everything you said there jack and now i might add something else at the end here you know uh three three big networks right and then one of them carried the olympics whether it was nbc abc i don't know if cbs ever carried them i forget but I mean, you know, I I never watched downhill skiing or the the jump, or you know, going down on that sled or or, or ice skating until the Olympics. And I, even though I really aren't am not interested in that during the year, I would tune in to see that. You know, you get your favorite skaters, you know, the the Kerrigan, 
a story or almost getting her leg broke by somebody. There was, there was drama there. Watching the boxers come up, Sugar Ray Leonard and, and all the other boxers that came on to become pros. I watched that. And that was not in the Winter Olympics, but the Olympics period, not just the Winter Olympics, even even the Summer Olympics. There's no there's no big following like there used to be in the United States. And you know, something, Jack, something to consider. Patriotism. right? We, we really cared about patriotism in this country at one time. There were songs written about, you know, you know, God bless America and all this stuff. Now, I'm not saying we don't have patriotism anymore, but I don't think it's as strong as it used to be. You know, the United States against the world, the United States against Russia, the United States against China, the United States against Japan. I don't know if we get into it like we used to, right? The miracle on ice and stuff like that. I don't know if it's the same as strong as it was. Let me put it that way. And and I think that affects it to a point, too. That you know uh, is our best gymnast better than the the Russian one is there or, or stuff like that because it's it's more global today than it ever was right we're we're and, and even back then you had politics Jack uh, that interfered with us going somewhere or not going somewhere so I think the United States and the countries hurt themselves in that prospect too but across the world it's still huge right we got a lot of sports in our country period our states are biggest countries around Europe. Texas is bigger, I think, than England. It's like little countries over here. And we're more concerned about what happens, you know, in our sports here than we are what happens. That's why I don't think soccer ever is ever, is ever going to take off. Because soccer is is a is a as a global global sport. And we really don't really care about soccer in America as much as they do in the other countries, I should say in the United States anyway. Because we, we, we got our football, we got our baseball, we got our hockey, we got our, you know, boxing is a little bit more global than it used to be, too. I mean, if you think about it, most of the champions, a lot of champions are over in the UK or Canada or somewhere else. We don't have a lot of United States champions as we used to with the Muhammad Ali's and the Frazier's and Foreman's and Tyson's and stuff like that. I think the United States cares more about its sports at home than it does overseas. And I think when it comes to the United States versus the other countries, in the world, there's not as big as a draw as there used to be. You got our pros playing instead of college athletes. There's a lot of changes that happened in the Olympic Act. I think it's a, a lot of everything thrown in there. You explained it a lot better than I did, Mac, but focusing on the Winter Olympics, it needs a storyline like you mentioned Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding, that whole ugly incident, then they had to compete. That was a great storyline. The United States Olympic hockey team, that was a great storyline. If you get the certain athletes that you can relate to, then people are going to watch because it has the soap opera effect. It has the following. And it's also timing, Mac. They, yeah. They're starting these Olympics on February 3rd. Why are they doing it in, as leading up to the Super Bowl? Everyone's going to be talking about the Super Bowl while the Winter Olympics are going on, it would have been better served if, if it started after the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl would have ended and people would have said, oh, now what do I have? I own that baseball with yeah. the middle of the NBA, yeah. NHL season. Who cares? And all of a sudden you give them the Olympics right after the Super Bowl. That would have been much better. But instead Great. they're joining the Olympics in progress and that's not quite the way to do it. It would have been so much nicer had they started it right after as a lead-in. 
That's a great point, Jack. I, you know what I think? I think the the, the world and the Olympics, I think they get stuck. They think that this is the way it should always be instead of adjusting to the times. Like, like you said, the Super Bowl now is a world event. People, billions of people from all over the world watch the Super Bowl now. At one time, football was not as big as the Olympics. I mean, if you go back into the 60s, maybe early 70s, the Olympics were bigger than football. But now the Super Bowl is huge. So if they just adjusted their train of thought, maybe, and maybe did what you said, which would I think is a great idea, that now all of a sudden football's done, and and now what do you got to watch? And I agree with you 100%. I think a lot of people get stuck in their thoughts, Jack, in the old ways. You know, all of us do that, where this is the way it is, and that's it. And we don't adjust as we get, especially as we get older. We don't adjust like we used to when we were younger, right? We'll, we'll do whatever we got to do to get by. Well, it's a time differences, too, no one talks about. I'm not sure in Beijing, you know, the time difference between now and the United States exactly to the hour. But for certain of the past Olympics, and we're talking about the Winter Olympics this year, I mean, we get the results before, you know, without seeing the event. And by the time the event is televised, we would have known who won. And the only way to avoid that is not listening to the sports results altogether, which we don't want to do because the other sports, you want to hear what happens. So that takes away the drama when you see things on tape delay. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Carlos makes some points. I don't agree with him about soccer, but he makes some points, even covid or without it, it's been it's been different. Um, it's just all listen, of it's just, right, Mac. When we had nothing going on during COVID, imagine they held the Winter Olympics. The eyes of the world would have been on it at that time. Great point, right? You're talking about exposing the athletes, the spectators, holding the events. But hypothetically, Carlos is correct on that. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a great point. And as I said, Jack, I just think patriotism isn't what it was. It was really not. I mean, like I said, you you know, our it was it was us against the world, and we're not too concerned about that. Maybe the people in the military are, but really the average American, I mean, you know, he they don't even know what the U.S. what the U.S. Constitution is. I mean, it's just a totally different different thing out there today. And as you said, there's more patriotism in the Olympics. I feel yes. with the other countries as there is opposed to the USA. Now, if something went down where people all of a sudden pulled together, you know, in America, then it would be a big deal if we're meeting an athlete of another country. Agree. Agree. And it's the only time we seem to pull together when something goes down now. Um, but anyway, and you're 100% right with the, with the channels. Uh, what would you rather watch? You'd rather watch them uh, doing that thing, you know, with the ice, with the, the uh, what do they call it, that thing where they... Well, let's say cross-country skiing, which is a great sport. Cross-country skiing. The Knicks are playing an NBA game's going on, a high-profile NBA game, not with the Knicks, a high-profile yeah. NBA game. As opposed to cross-country skiing. I mean, what what's the average person going to really be watching in that situation? And uh, Listen, it's just the way it is. The Olympics yeah. is a great concept. The concept of the whole Olympics was for unity. The countries can get together, yeah. athletic competition, goodwill. And it's the goodwill isn't really there. Yet. We're learning that countries would do anything to win. You know, sure. athletes come in, performance enhancing drugs. 
officials that'll favor certain countries over others. It's just the ideal of the Olympics isn't what it was intended to do and not what it once was. It's not just a friendly competition. And even in, I think even in coverage, Jack, even the channels that weren't showing the Olympics, they covered that constantly. There was always updates. There was always something on, you know, the, the new record or, or, you know, this person did this for the United States or this. I don't see that that much anymore. I really don't. I mean, you got one network covering, I think it's NBC who covered them last time. I think they're covering them again. And they're complaining about ratings not being able to sell commercials. I mean, you know, well, they're I, trying to they're trying to focus on individual athletes now in certain spots. But I can't tell you who's even competing in the, you know, in the Olympics. The athletes' names. I consider myself like the average sports fan. Okay, that's how I look at myself, and I just can't relate to the Winter Olympics yet. And I always feel guilty because the. It's, it'll be a few days old before I might even notice, and then I'll feel guilty. Why didn't I watch it from the beginning? And I'll try to watch it from the beginning, but it's going to be tough. There are going to be certain events that are going to – I'm not going to know the athletes. I'm not going to understand the event. And, and if I can watch another sports thing, like we were saying, an NBA game or whatever else, a boxing match going on, I mean, sure. realistically, which am I going to pick? Which is going to entertain me more? And and the funny thing is, Jack, even with all that, it still comes down to personal choice, right? And when we were a kid, even if there was a game out, we would still want to see what happened in the Olympics. Things have just changed all the way through, man. It's just, it is crazy. So we're going to go our last subject here real quick. Uh, Jack, you're going to lead off with this. Uh, it has to do with the Australian Open and how that was handled by the government versus a top tennis star. And you start us off with that. I'll tell you, the thing with Novak Djokovic, with the Australian Open, the drama, that's been more important than the Australian Open competition to this point. The competition is going on. You know, Naomi Osaka was just upset, eliminated on the women's side. But we don't talk about stuff like that. It's the Djokovic situation. Uh, I don't want to get too heavy into it. Something about Djokovic throws me off a little bit. He seems to be an okay guy to me. He seems to be an okay guy. When I look at Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal, his two great rivals, they're the big three, I can say without any hesitation, you know, Federer seems to be a really great guy to me. Nadal seems to be a really great guy to me. I like them a lot. Something about Djokovic throws me off a little. I'll say the other two are great guys, but I say Djokovic, he's an okay guy, which I suppose is fine. If we said everyone was an okay guy, the world would be a better place. Right. But this, you know, something happened before when he played at the U.S. Open. He took the ball in anger. He slammed it, and he hit one of the female lines judges and when he did that, he got disqualified immediately, as he should have. Djokovic, to his credit, didn't make a big fuss about it. He took the disqualification, and later his followers were threatening the person he hit with the ball. And Djokovic finally said, guys, leave her alone. She didn't do anything wrong. But he didn't come out heavily. Oh, you know... You know, come on, guys, get off her, her case. She's a victim here. I'm so sorry what she had to endure, 
all he said was leave her alone. She, you know, it's not her fault. And, you know, and I don't know. Something about Djokovic, now the Australian Open. The Australian Tennis Federation, from what I understand, told him that he could play, but they're not in charge of the government with the COVID restrictions. So they shouldn't have said it. And it, it kind of reminded me, Mac, of a kid. One of the uncles and aunts say to him, no, no, you can go. You can raid the refrigerator. But it's not their home. Yeah. They're telling him he can eat whatever he wants in his own home in the refrigerator. Him knowing fully well the parents have their rules that you can't do that. So the kid says, well, Uncle, Uncle Joe told me I could go into the refrigerator, so I thought it was okay. And the parents say, you know it's not okay. Uncle Joe shouldn't have told you that. But that's someone in authority, you know, who he's also told to look up to. It struck me the wrong way how long they kept this going with the Australian Open. You know, the other athletes didn't like it. Djokovic should have gotten to the point. Look, you know, I'm backing out. But they kept pushing the issue. Then they quarantined them, the government. I mean, all in all, I mean, I have to side with the government here. But they could have handled it better themselves. I think this is a bunch of errors made all around. But I think Djokovic was pushing the issue a little because he's the great Novak Djokovic feeling eventually they're going to cave in. They're going to let him play because he's a big attraction for the Australian Open. And the government wouldn't relent. They wouldn't relent. And I think he kind of felt they would. And he also felt because the Australian Tennis Federation originally told him it was okay, he would eventually prevail and it didn't turn out that way it turned out to get very ugly his image took a bit of a hit and it doesn't look good listen as time goes by i might like Djokovic a great deal i might put him in the great guy category right now i just feel he's an okay guy to me you know what i mean so you know we'll we'll see how it plays out but it everyone wound up losing on this the government didn't look too good having to take a stand. Djokovic certainly didn't look too good himself. And, you know, you hear win-win situations. This was a lose-lose situation for everyone involved. Yeah, listen, I got I ain't got a lot to say because I really don't follow tennis since there's no United States men's uh, players that are really competing. I did see all the stories on Djokovic, and I'm all for personal responsibility, Jack. You know the rules, and I don't care what anybody says. If Australia says you've got to do this to play, their government says that, then you got to do that to play. And I agree with you as far as um, him thinking he's a star in the cave. And, and who knows, maybe they eventually would have, uh, but they didn't. They stood strong. And, it's and- less about COVID, Mac, than about yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, yeah. I'm just saying that's the law of the country, and uh, he knew that going in, and it doesn't matter what anybody says, unless he really, I, I mean, you got to give him a pass that the the tennis committee said he could do it, and and that's the only way I give him a pass. But I'm all for personal responsibility, you know. Mac, but let me call you out on something a little. You're saying you're not as interested because we don't have an American. I admire your patriotism here. I admire it, but. Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, they've been around so long. And all those guys with 20 major titles, a lot of lesser titles, they've played so much in the United States. 
I feel the fans have basically adapted them. Okay. Well, I would so rather see one of those three guys play than an American player who doesn't have a big name. Okay. They've well, earned it by winning, 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 listen, winning. I'm, I'm not taking nothing away from them. I'm just saying tennis is sure not as big as it was, Jack. You can't deny that. And, uh, you know, the women's tennis was more it had more viewers because we had a couple of women in okay, there. Okay, we had Chrissy Everett. We have we right. have the Williams sisters, Serena that's Williams. What that's what I'm talking about. That, that the women's tennis had more interest than the men's because we don't have a, a player. No, up there. no, it's not more interest. Serena Williams has been so dominant. I, I'm telling you, I'm He's telling you, the interest out of it by I'm being as great you, as she has. I'm telling you, in the United States, there's more interest has been more interest in the women's tennis than the men's. And that's because we don't have any more Jimmy Connors or John McEnroe's or Pete Sanfords or or any of these guys, you know, that were that were good back. Those then. guys are personalities, but part of it is Jimmy Connors and John McEnroe really butted heads, and it was entertaining. We loved it. We loved that rivalry. But McEnroe yeah. had a rivalry too, as and they were pretty good too. Bjorn Borg, and Bjorn Borg wasn't an American, right, but right. we accepted and we loved seeing but watching reason, play. We rooted for him like he was an American too. He, he, no, we rooted against him when he played McEnroe and McConnors. Let's be honest. I mean, we did. Borg was a machine. No, nah, no, we didn't root for McEnroe against anyone the way he acted. He wasn't oh, too appearing at the time. A lot of people. Bad boy. A lot of people did because he was because he was a bad boy, and uh, you know that a lot of people liked that about him. He was he was pretty loud and obnoxious, and so people liked that. But you don't want to watch him, that's for sure. And it's not that we hated Brian Borg; it's just that he was the enemy. You know, we wanted Connors to beat him, and that's just the way it was. So anyway, folks, thanks for tuning in to the Mac and Jack Sports Show. Um, you know, tennis is not my thing anymore. Uh, neither is golf. And neither right now is the Olympics. And hopefully all that will change as I get older like Jack. I don't know. We'll find out what happens. So, folks, have a great Saturday. Have a great Saturday night. Football on today. Football on tomorrow. You got me and Jack and Jen's picks. We went through the docs in there. And tomorrow we'll see our picks, too, and get ready for the other two football games as we have in Robert Butler from Sports Scope. We will have a, a lot of uh, updates and previews with our other guests Tune into the big football show, 8 p.m. to 8 to 10 a.m. I mean, 8 a.m. to 8 to 10 a.m. Uh, 8 to 10 a.m. tomorrow. Be there, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night, and hopefully your team wins. Have a good one, guys.